Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here. And I do pray, God, that we will each hear what you want us to hear individually. I pray, God, we'll walk away different people than we walked in. And I pray that we'll be more encouraged and excited about our relationship with you uh, than any other time. God, there's so much going on in this world, but yet we know you are the constant, steady factor in our lives. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. In Exodus chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 11. 11 through 15. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them in their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrews? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. We've heard of Moses and what he did at the beginning. So now I want to take this a little further. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock. And Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of the fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the city, and I'm sorry, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So Moses had an interesting start to his life. Now keep your finger in Exodus, because I want to go over to Hebrews chapter 11 and read verse 6 for you here. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Now remember what all we just read. But in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, there's no trust, because faith and trust go hand in hand. If we struggle with faith, we struggle with trusting God. Faith is believing things that you don't even see yet. And faith is the glue that holds the Christian and God 
in their relationship together. So I want to talk to us today about stretching your faith. Again, our theme for the year is stretch. Not that we're not doing anything, but we're taking it further in every area of our life. And so this is an area I want us to stretch our faith in. And I want us to focus on Moses today. Because I want to look at Moses in a way that you may have never seen him before, or maybe you have. But either way, we're going to take a closer look at how Moses had to stretch his faith. Now we know a lot of things about Moses. Moses carried a staff. Moses talked to Pharaoh. Moses parted the Red Sea. Moses led the people 40 years in the desert. We know a lot of things about Moses. But I want us now to take a different look at Moses to see not just his faith, but how it had to stretch to help him be the man that we know of him in the Bible today. Amen? So back in Exodus chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 10. And he had that conversation with God. He was raised in Egypt. And now here's God calling him in verse 10. He says, so now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Number one, Moses stressed his faith by facing his past. By facing his past. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm sure Moses had no intention of ever returning to Egypt, especially to face Pharaoh. But in order for God to do what God asked him to do, Moses had to go to the place that he ran from. The place where he was raised to rule over the Israelites and then found out he was one of them. The place where he killed an Egyptian. So a place that he's a known murderer. A place that he chose to give up his royal status. And now he's out here being a shepherd in the heat instead of sitting in the palace all comfortable and eating. A place where he, Pharaoh, tried to kill him. And now God says, I want you to go back there. You know, he's like, oh, Lord. God is asking Moses to do something uncomfortable. He's asking him to stretch his emotions. Because you know he was emotional about that. Stretch his fears. Stretch his comfort zone. To go from the comfort zone to the danger zone. To go from being a shepherd to a fugitive. He said, I want you to go back there where all your issues started. And then I want you to bring everybody out. You know, we all respond differently to challenges. Just because we're all different. You can say the same thing to one person and it can mean something totally different. You can totally shut down or get excited. Let me give you an example. So, the wife comes to the husband and says, honey, we need to talk. That's the husband's response. Oh, boy. Husband go to the wife. Honey, we need to talk. Oh, yeah, let's do this thing. Let's get this on. I'm ready. Parent goes to the kid. Babe, we need to talk. What you mean? What I do? Different responses to the same question. We all respond differently to things. But now let's look at Moses' conversation with God. We read it, but let's look at it and break it down and see how Moses responded to God's calling. And then you got to ask yourself, is this how I respond when I'm called by God or just in any situation to handle it? Again, chapter 3, uh, 
Exodus 3, verse 10. It starts out, so this is God. So now I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God says, I'm sending you, Moses. Moses replies in verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God replies back to him in verse 12. I will be with you. And here's a sign for you that you know that I will be with you. Then look at Moses reply in verse 13. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God your father has sent me. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what should I say? In verse 14, God says, This is what you say. And then he goes on and explains it to them and tells them all these different things. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Moses replied back, well, What if they don't believe me or listen to me? In verse 2, God replies back, What's that in your hand? He has a staff. He said, throw it down. Staff turns into a snake. Pick it up. He straightens it out. Put your hand in your pocket. Pulls it out leprosy. Put it back in there. Pulls it out clean. He says, so if they're wondering who did that, this is what you show them. Then look at his response in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. God says in verse 13, okay. I'll do it. Nope. Verse 12, I'm sorry. He says, I'll speak for you. Then we get down to the real issue Moses had. Verse 13. So Moses said, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. He had this long conversation. He had all these questions. And God, being the loving God he is, answered all his questions to the point that he couldn't even make up nothing else. And he said, okay, let me just be honest, God. I don't want to go. Send somebody else. Why? Because he did not want to face his past. He didn't want to go back. So he made up question after question after question. People do this all the time. Hey, we're going to change the Bible talk. Where am I going to go? You're going to go over here. Well, what if I don't get along with them? Well, we have trust in God. Just make new friends. But all my friends over here, what if these people don't like me like they like me? All these questions. Just go. But sometimes we don't want to stretch our faith. We just want to be comfortable and just let me just make it to heaven. I just want to make it there. I don't want to do all this other stuff. Just let me make it there. I think Moses is an example for all of us. Because it's one thing to hear God asking you, but it's another thing to hear God and respond to what God is saying. It takes faith to obey. Anybody can listen. Anybody can hear it. But it takes faith to obey it. That's why Moses is a good example for all of us. We hear God speaking to us, and then all of a sudden we get busy telling God why it can't happen. Do you realize how much energy we spend telling God why this is not going to work? See, that's exactly what Moses did. In all Moses' responses to God, it was about himself. He said, they won't listen to me. I'm not eloquent. What if they ask me? I mean, it was me, 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 or I, I, I. Moses shows a lack of faith in God. See, when we're being faithless, it's about us. When we're being faithful, it's about God. 
Because God's not going to ask you to do something that he's not going to equip you to be able to do. He said, Moses, I need you to go bring the people out. What, what, what if this happened? What if that happened? He said, I'm going to be there. I'll speak for you. If they ask you something else, show them this. I mean, he just laid it all out there. Guys, we got to ask ourselves, do I just hear God speaking to me? Do I just hear God singing to me, or do I hear it and obey? See, this is what Moses did. Moses stretched his faith enough to deal with his past because that's what was best for God and God's people. Too many times we don't do what's best for God and God's people. We do what's best for us. Some of us don't want to go back and face our past. So you know what? We don't share our faith with the people we grew up with. We don't share our faith with our family. We might have a couple of times and then they didn't respond, so we let it go. you got to ask yourself, are you willing to face your past? Some of us got relationship issues from the past that we don't want to face because it hurts too much. They hurt me. They did this wrong. You know what? Sometimes we just need to go back and face it so we can forgive it and move on. As long as we don't forgive and we're bitter, we're going to be trapped in the present with a sorry future. You've got to ask yourself, am I willing to face my past? And sometimes your past is just you. It's not even somebody else. You've got to face who you really were in your past. You know, I appreciate Maggie so much. I, I've been messing with Maggie for about four months now. Every time I see her, I'm like, what are you waiting for? If you know what's right, why aren't you baptized yet? You know what? Maggie faced her past. She faced who she really was. She faced all the issues she had. And we saw her make Jesus Lord today. He used to chase Maggie around, trying to pin that woman down to study the Bible. She was walking back today. I said, the plan was to have her baptized at the end of service, but some things happened, so we had to do it at the beginning. I said, are you all right with that? She said, whenever God wants me to. It went from I don't know to whatever God wants. See, that's a heart that says, you know what? I'm going to do what God wants. Jesus is Lord. And too many times we say that for the baptism, but don't live it after the baptism. We say it so everybody clap it upon and get all hyped up. Oh, Jesus is Lord. And then we walk out, and you know what? No, I don't have time to get together for a follow-up. I don't have time to meet at Bible Talk. I don't have time to come to midweek. I'm not coming just to pray with a bunch of men. I don't have time for that. Is Jesus Lord? He's Lord of all or not Lord at all? It's one or the other. But until you face your past, yourself, people, job, whatever it may be, you're not going to be what God wants you to be. And just being on the membership is not good enough. That does not guarantee salvation. So you got to ask yourself, am I willing to stretch my faith to deal with my past? That's what Moses had to do. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about that, but when God said go back, he had to think, what am I going back to? And it took a lot for him to do it. But even Moses wasn't just, boom, I'm doing it, Jesus. He had to work through some issues. There's nothing wrong with working through some issues. But you notice, it didn't take him years to work through these issues. It didn't even take a month. It took him a good, solid talk with God. Jesus had to work through his issues in the garden. 
One good solid talk with God. It lasted three times, but a one good solid talk, one night. Guys, this is what we got to get back to. Taking our issues to God. Dealing with who we are. That's the first thing that we see about Moses when he had to stretch his faith. The second thing about Moses in stretching his faith is that Moses' faith was stretched as he faced obstacles. His faith was stretched as he faced obstacles. Look at Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Are y'all with me here? Exodus 5, verse 1. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then drop down to verse 5. Look at what it says here. Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave orders to the slave drivers and the foremen in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks, but let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our gods. Make the work harder for the men that they will keep working and pay no attention to the lies. And look at verse 19. The Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, May the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Wow. You have Moses who is following what God asked him to do. He confronted his past, overcame his fear, talked to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, I'll show you. I'll increase the workload and make it harder. The Israelites, Moses' people, they found them, and they had an attitude about it. Curse you. Why you come here anyway? What you doing? Get out of here. I mean, they were just negative at it. Now, here's Moses doing what God called for him to do, and look at the response he runs into. Have you ever felt like that? Like, God, I'm trying to do what you want me to do, and this ain't even working out right. That's not what's supposed to happen. Is it just me or nobody else feel like that? That's where faith comes in. Faith comes in and trusts God's plan even though we don't understand or see it. That's what it's all about. No matter what the cost, Moses didn't give up but continued to press forward. Moses stressed his faith by trusting that God would come through. Many times we face obstacles in family, friends, situation, whatever. And we shut off our faith and rely on our own strength. Once it gets tough, once we get a challenge, we're like, okay, what, what do I need to do to face this and overcome this? And we take it upon ourselves instead of taking it to God. Let me show you a couple of scriptures here. Psalms 28, 
verse 7 through 9. Psalms 28, verse 7 through 9. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to Him in song. The Lord is my is the strength of His people, a fortress of salvation for His anointed ones. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. The Bible says that the Lord needs to be our strength. He said, well, wait a minute, though, but when I'm in the heat of the battle, I'm not thinking about that. Because sometimes when we're in the heat of the battle, we need to just slow down and pray for a minute. We can even shoot up a bullet prayer, 10-second prayer. Oh, God, just help me with this situation. Don't let me slap nobody, lose my job. Just help me in Jesus. Now, that's a real prayer that I'll be saying. I don't know about y'all. Y'all may be so spiritual, you don't think like that. Look in chapter 46. Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake and are surging, and the coronavirus is in New York, I will not fear. Moses stretched his faith and trusted God. See, we just need to make a decision. You know what? I'm going to just be faithful to God. I'm going to trust God. But you got to ask yourself, when you're faced with obstacles and challenges, do you freak out or pray it out? It's going to be one or the other. I'm going to freak out or I'm going to pray it out. Just because it doesn't go the way we think it should does not mean it's not going the way God thinks. we got to realize that. I'm really trying, Lord. I made some decisions. You know what? I was going to fast in that international day of prayer, and now he's got lunch for the Bible talk leader. Mm. I, I, mm. You know what? Your salvation is not based upon that lunch. But so many times, when we're faced with obstacles, we make it harder than it is. But just because it's not going our way doesn't mean it's not going down. Number one, Moses faced his past. That's how he stretched his faith. Number two, he stretched his faith when he faced obstacles. And then thirdly and finally, Moses' faith was stretched when he was faced with negative people. Negative people. Moses' faith was stretched when he had to deal with the children of Israel. These are God's people. I'm not talking about everybody just out there. Even within the own family of God, sometimes we can face negativity from people that will stretch our faith. When Moses went up and received the Ten Commandments, he came back down. And the children of Israel had decided to build a golden calf and declare it as their God. Look at Exodus 32, verse 1. Exodus 32, verse 1. 
That's the second book in the Bible, Genesis X-36. Second, some people flipping like it ain't that far back. Just a couple of pages. That's all it is. First one. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And you got to hear what they said. As for Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So then in verse 2, Aaron answered them, Take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what was handed to him and made it into an idle cast in the shape of a cast, fastening it with a tool. Then they said, These are our gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Like, wait a minute, didn't you just say Moses brought you up out of Egypt? And now this, this idol sitting there that you got to carry brought you up out of Egypt. Doesn't make any sense at all. And that's what people do when they sin. They don't make no sense at all. I've seen people say, you know what, I'm taking a break from God. How? Where are you going to go that God is not there? Well, the people, they just start saying stuff they don't even know what they're saying. At this point... I'd have camped five bowls. I'd have been out. You know what, guys? Look at, look at these fools. Just go ahead and wipe them out. Because I done did all this stuff, and now they're going to make a little golden cap. And all this. I mean, that's why I'm not God. Because we might not be here. But in spite of all that, look at what Moses did. Look in verse 30. Exodus 32, verse 30. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please, forgive their sin. But if not, then block me out of the book you have written. Moses said, God, these people did so much wrong. Please forgive them. And if you're not going to forgive them, you know what? Then, then punish me too. Now, Moses didn't do anything. He was up on a mountain with God. So it's not like he caused this issue to occur. But he loved his people so much that he said, if you're going to do that to them, even though I didn't do nothing wrong, go ahead and do it to me also. You know, it can be so frustrating to live a life of faith, to do what God is directing you to do, and then you come up against people who won't listen to you, won't follow God's instructions, but even claim to be children of God. It can make you feel like, you know what, why am I even doing this? Why am I a Christian? Things just aren't going right. People aren't going It's just so frustrating. I could live a better life sleeping on Sunday morning instead of getting up and being at church at 10, 15. I can just, I can just... It could be so much better. Um, so, let me give you four ways that can help you deal with negative people. 
in or out the church. Doesn't matter. This is how we can deal with negative people. Now, how you can deal with it. Uh, so I'm not talking about what they need to change. I'm talking about what we need to change. Because sometimes when we're dealing with negative people, we want them to change. Sometimes we just have to take a step back. So let me just give you four things. You do with it what you want, but let me just help you. Number one, remember only Jesus was sinless. But what do you mean? In 1 Peter 2.22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. First of all, we need to stop expecting people to be perfect. We need to stop expecting non-Christians to act like Christians. We are setting ourselves up for discouragement. When we say something to somebody that's not a Christian and they should have responded with humility and forgiveness, that's not going to happen. It doesn't always happen in the church. How do we expect it to happen outside the church? We've got to stop thinking everybody's going Only Jesus was perfect. We ourselves got issues. We don't always respond like that. Why do we expect everybody else to respond like that? See, if you quit putting false expectations on yourself, you'll be a happier person. We have unspoken expectations in our relationship. We just expect the minister to always answer every call, every time I call. Every text, within 30 minutes, they need to reply back. What else they do? That's all they do. They sit around the house and answer text messages. We expect our Bible talk leader to have good refreshments. Don't be bringing this stuff. If you had in your cabinet all year, expiration date all on it, you're just trying to get rid of it. I want something fresh. We have all kind of expectations for everybody else. And then we show up at church at 10 15. So, number one, only Jesus was sinless. Number two, we've got to remember negativity is contagious. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You know what? Laughter is contagious, and negativity is contagious. When my youngest daughter starts laughing, I mean, we laugh at her laugh. I don't even know what jokes she tells, but sometimes just hearing people laugh makes you laugh. Barbara starts laughing, and Evelyn just starts laughing for no reason. Well, I know why, but just no reason. You just start laughing. And that's a good thing. But we also got to see that negativity also breeds negativity. You're around somebody that's just, just mad at the world. You're going to end up mad at the world. And then you're going to get home like, why am I even mad? I don't even know. Nothing happened today. Because you were hanging out with Oscar the Grouch. If we are around negativity, that's what happens. So you got to listen. If you feel down, listen to somebody that's bubbly. Now, usually our first response is, I don't want to be around them. Because that's hard for you to do. But that's what we need. We need to be around somebody that's happier. So we also need to realize in, in dealing with negative people, negativity breeds negativity. Sometimes you need to set up boundaries for yourself. You know what? I love you, but i, I got to go right now. You ain't got to lie to them. Why are you leaving? Because this ain't a good time for me. This ain't a good place right now. I just need to go. I got some things I'm working on. It's all about me. I got to go. But wait, aren't we going to hang out all day? Not today. Got to go. 
Number three, the Bible warns us about angry outbursts. Proverbs 22, verse 24 and 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man or woman. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself in sin. Let me say it like this. Anger is one letter away from danger. You put a D in front of anger, that's danger. Angry people are dangerous to be around. Somebody's going to get in trouble. Number four, finally, forgiveness is optional. Forgiveness is optional. What do you mean? Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You cannot expect to experience God's forgiveness and peace if you're still bitter against one of his children. Now, all of us that got kids know, if there's somebody that don't like your kid and messing with your kid, you got a hard time with them. Because that's your child. You don't want to carry that child or, or watch somebody carry that child. That's your child. And if somebody's going to come in and start abusing your child, you got issues with them. So how much more our Heavenly Father, if we have such bitterness towards one of his other children and not resolving it, how, much, how can we think he's not going to have problems with us? You say, well, that's not God. Well, that's the Bible I just read. If you don't forgive, he's not going to forgive you. You say, well, I didn't see it that way. Well, open your eyes. We're going to be faced with a lot of negativity. But guys, as a Christian, you got to realize the only thing that counts is how you respond to that negativity. You can't control anybody being negative or positive. But you can control your response to them and how they do things. This is what Moses had to deal with. Imagine 40 years of people grumbling in the desert against you and leadership. It's hot. We ain't got no food. Where are you taking us? And if you map it out, they actually went in one big circle for 40 years. They're like, you don't know where you're going. I saw that same palm tree and camel 10 years ago. He's still sitting there. Where are we going? What are we doing? Imagine the negativity he had to deal with. And we look at these things and we think, man, these people prayed so much in the Bible. Because they had a lot of people and issues to deal with. So the question is, what is our prayer life like? Is your prayer life enough to get you to heaven? What I mean is, they didn't have the holy word of God like this, the way we do today. They didn't have an app on their phone. They had the chisel in a tablet. Guys. They didn't have all the tools we had, but their prayer life was able to help them make it to heaven. Is your prayer life strong enough to help you get to heaven? Just you in prayer. There's a lot going on, guys. I wanted us to reflect back on Moses because I think Moses was a great person, but it also shows how he had to stretch his faith to be that great person, to be that hero that we see him today. And so that's why people named their kids after Moses, because it was somebody great. Nobody names their kid Judas. 
That's just not how it works. So I want to encourage us to look and to stretch our faith when it comes to dealing with our past. When it comes to facing obstacles, stretch our faith. When it comes to facing negativity in the church, out of the church, in wherever, family, we still got to respond the way a Christian should respond, not the way the world calls for us to respond. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I hope this has been encouraging for you and strengthening. And to God be the glory. Amen.